Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to the Big Tilt Player Profiler Roto Underworld DFS podcast sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. This is the November 12th episode as we get you ready for week 10 in DFS. Don't forget, folks, Underdog Fantasy. We love Underdog Fantasy. 100% deposit match up to $100. Just use the promo code UNDERWORLD at Underdog Fantasy. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rand, and I am bringing in, as I always do, the brains behind the operation. The guy who told you last week that every week is Justin Herbert week, and all he did last week, Mr. Herbert, was produce the overall QB2 fantasy performance, Josh Larkey. Follow him on Twitter at jlarkeytweets. Josh, right yet again. Great to have you back. Thank you. I'm, I'm on a roll right now. It's It always feels good because as people know with DFS, there's the high highs, there's the low lows. We're, we're riding this high, and I think we might be able to bring it another week with week 10. And before we get into it, if you want to support the show, obviously we've got Underdog Fantasy. They're a great sponsor. Download the app, promo code UNDERWORLD. And we have cut prices because now it's halfway through the season. And if you want our all-in package for the rest of the season, the DFS Dominator, Data Analysis, Dynasty Deluxe, if you want the whole shebang, it's now $45 for the rest of the season, all access through January 2022. This is the best deal on the market. Let's get rolling here. Great week set up. A lot of interesting storylines in week 10. Matchups, injuries, comebacks from bizarre performances. Week 9 was a bizarre week with some odd things, odd fantasy performances. I was fortunate, Josh, to win Scott Fushbill. Still rolling undefeated here, but had a very, very low total. So hopefully this week we get some points bonanza. Let's start. Atlanta at Dallas. Atlanta coming off the big win over New Orleans. Dallas looking to bounce back after the really destruction by the Broncos. Game total is 52. Cowboys favored by nine. So Vegas is telling you they expect the Cowboys to sort of jump out and really pile up the points here against Atlanta. Interesting storylines. Dak, receivers, Atlanta, no Calvin Ridley still. Kyle Pitts, Cordell Patterson, of course, the comeback player of the year, I think, obviously. Where are we going here in DFS? Falcons, Cowboys. So I put this game at the top of the show sheet because – I think it's just a really fun one. We've got two really strong passing attacks, decently fast-paced, and that's really what we want in DFS is we want a very pass-heavy game whenever possible. And I think that this one, it's looking like it's going to be exactly as advertised. I think what's nice is that we can stack either quarterback. We can double stack either quarterback. We have Michael Gallup coming back with a very juicy salary, 4000 on DraftKings. 5,500 on FanDuel, so kind of nice arbitrage off of CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. Yes, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, definitely better, but it's really nice to have that massive price gap, especially on DraftKings, where if you want to pay up for some of the studs, we'll go through a lot of these running backs. It's just a phenomenal week for some of these high-end running backs, and you want to be able to fit those guys in. Michael Gallup, a great play there, but with Dak, with Matt Ryan, they're both going to be pretty popular quarterbacks, most likely. And the way to get different is I'm almost exclusively going to be double stacking these quarterbacks with a single, sometimes even a double run back. This could very well be a 70, 75 total points in the game type of game, in which case four, five, six different players could theoretically get there in DFS. So if I'm on the DAC end, I'm probably stacking two of... Zeke, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup, probably not Cooper and Lamb together 
that's getting pretty expensive. I'm with you. Very good. And then on the Matt Ryan side, I think you can just kind of pick two of Cordero Patterson, Russell Gage, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, yes, I know Alameda Zacchaeus had that two touchdown game last week. He had three targets. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Do I expect 67% of undersized slot receiver Olamide Zacchaeus's targets to keep going for touchdowns? Uh, no, I do not. So I think those are kind of the, the main stacking options. Yes, I know Tajay Sharp had the snap share. He had, I think, one target when he had a full complement of snaps. He's probably either not going to get the snaps this week or he's just not going to get the targets. It doesn't matter. I do not think he's in play. I know that some people are trying to chase the the routes or trying to chase the snaps. You can just X him out of your player pool. I think the same thing with Hayden Hurst, probably not a great option. There's another punt play tight end that I will get to shortly. So just X those guys out. I really think you can just narrow this game down to Lamb, Zeke, Cordero Patterson, Amari Cooper, Kyle Pitts, Dalton Schultz, Russell Gage, and Michael Gallup. And there may have been a conspicuous name missing there. Mike Davis. What? Why aren't you mentioning Mike Davis? Well, let's talk about Cordero Patterson versus Mike Davis. For the first four weeks of the season, Cordero Patterson had between a 30 to 40% snap share every game. Week five onward, though, Patterson has had similar snap shares to Davis. So they've both kind of been in the 60% range the last five weeks. But even though they're on the field a similar amount, as I've mentioned before, Cordero Patterson's usage when he's on the field is outrageous. Even though they have similar snap shares, the touches, it's all going to Patterson. Since week five, 35 carries for Davis, 46 for Patterson. 13 targets for Davis, 25 for Patterson. More carries, more red zone carries, more routes, more targets for Patterson week five onward. And after week one, Patterson has had more fantasy points than Mike Davis in every single game. Mike Davis just isn't even this high volume, but inefficient running back anymore. He's just losing a lot of this volume. He's essentially turning into less talented Miles Sanders, where he has the 60 to 70% snap share and he's just watching. Mike Davis is now a spectator for the Cordero Patterson show. Let me ask you a couple questions here, Josh. First, I was looking at stacks this week. I love Amari Cooper at home over CeeDee Lamb. Cooper at home with Dak Prescott, 15 career games, 17.7 PPR points. We're looking at almost 90 receiving yards. He's getting almost six targets and a half touchdown a game. My concern with CeeDee Lamb is, folks, let's just call it what it is. CeeDee Lamb has not had a top wide receiver one performance, with the exception of week six against New England when he caught the bomb in overtime and scored. So are you leaning towards Cooper over Lamb this week if you have to make a pick? Because we've seen it without Michael Gallup. Now Gallup is back. Lamb has underperformed given what we thought. He's a solid option, but would you go Cooper over him in DFS this week? So I would definitely lean Cooper over Lamb for both what you said and just the salary. 7,000 on DraftKings for Lamb, only 6,200 on DraftKings for Cooper, 7,700 on FanDuel for Lamb, 7,300 on FanDuel for Cooper. I don't really think Lamb necessarily has a higher ceiling than Cooper. We've seen these 35-point type performances from both of them at this point. And yeah, when, when the salary is really tight this week and there's a lot of good plays, I'll often defer, especially when I know that I'm doing pretty heavy game stacks to be different than the field, I'm often just going to lean on the slightly cheaper option to make some of those auxiliary pieces fit together a little better. Makes total sense. Next game, and this is a fascinating game in the betting world, Josh. Minnesota and the Chargers. The Sharps are all over Minnesota in this game. They have not played well. No Daniel Hunter. Still finding a way to lose games at the end. Going out to play a Charger team. Explosive offense. But Minnesota actually defends the pass fairly well. So I think the Sharps are jumping on the Vikings here. Game total is 53. Chargers favored by only three points. Curious how you look at this game in a DFS prism. 
versus the betting world who seem to love the Vikings. I think the popular pick would be a Charger smash. How do you say it? So what I like about this game is that it really feels like it's shaping up to be the Vikings running down the Chargers throat with Dalvin Cook because Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Minnesota is one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL, especially when they're leading in games. So if they're leading, they're probably going to lean on Dalvin Cook. And I don't really expect the Chargers to necessarily jump out to any kind of huge lead. So I'm really expecting 20 to 25 Cook carries. And I think Justin Herbert is going to have to try to make some magic happen. And I really like that from the perspective of I can kind of narrow my quarterback pool down and focus a lot more in this game on Herbert stacks with these Dalvin Cook runbacks. And that kind of fits in sort of to that thesis of, you know what, Minnesota might actually be a sneaky play here. And I also have to say, being a Chargers homer feels good this year. I've had two big DFS wins this year. Both of them came from Justin Herbert. I had another good one this past week. Week nine was really gross. Fortunately, a Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Devonta Smith skinny stack brought home the bag. So that was a really nice one because I keep saying it every week is Justin Herbert week. Minnesota is a pretty decent defense. Could they shut Justin Herbert down? Sure. However, one thing that I like about Herbert, especially for DFS, is he's very volatile. I posted on Twitter a few days ago, just the quarterback finishes for Justin Herbert. Essentially, Justin Herbert's either a top five quarterback or a bottom 10 quarterback on the week. And there's not too much in the middle. And that's exactly what we want with DFS. Could he just implode and have a really bad game against the Vikings? Yes. Could the very, very fast paced pass heavy chargers just shred this fairly injured Minnesota secondary. Yes, that could happen as well. And then on the Vikings end, I just do not love any of these receivers in this game. Not that Jefferson or Thielen can't have a good game or Conklin can't have a good game. Yes, of course they could have a good game. However, the Chargers are so much better against the pass and they're just a generally sharp team analytically. And I think they've started to realize that If you're going to try and take away the run or take away the pass from a team, you might as well take away their passing offense. The Chargers are practically begging teams to run against them the way that they set up their defense, which plays right into Dalvin Cook, and it makes the Vikings just have so much less incentive to try and force the pass to Thielen and Jefferson. So I think if I'm I'm going to play this game, most likely stacking Herbert with Keenan Allen, Maybe Jared Cook. Maybe I sneak Eckler in there. Definitely not doing Keenan Allen with Mike Williams. And then I'm running it back most likely with Dalvin Cook. I don't think we need to overthink this one. And then just a little note on Keenan Allen against Mike Williams. So here's Keenan Allen's targets by week. 13, 8, 13, 8, 12, 11, 9, 5, 11, 13. 8 plus targets in all but that one game where he had five, only two games above 20 fantasy points though, because Keenan Allen only has two touchdowns on the season. Watch out if or when Keenan Allen gets those touchdowns. He's had four red zone targets the past two weeks. It's going to happen for him. Mike Williams, on the other hand, his targets this year, 12, 10, 9, 4, 16. That was that Browns game. That was a wild one. Then five, five, and five. Those Five targets in the last three games kind of coincides with a potential knee injury. And then one other thing to note about Mike Williams, he's had an A dot of nine or more in all but two games this year. Mike Williams has primarily been the field stretcher. He was an extremely high volume and effective one at that earlier in the season, but now he's been struggling with injuries. And the price tag on Williams and Allen is razor close. Allen's only a few hundred bucks more on both platforms. I'm leaning very heavily on Keenan Allen over Mike Williams because of those target totals that I mentioned in the beginning. Keenan Allen is seeing all the targets. He just doesn't have the touchdowns yet. As per football outsiders, the Vikings rank fourth most generous in DVOA to opposing wide receiver two. So they lock down the wide receiver one. The question is going to be to me, who's going to be the wide receiver one? Who's going to be the wide receiver two? I think I interpret that Josh to be the field stretcher. That's how I look at it. So If it's close and Keenan Allen's getting the targets 
And the Vikings themselves have been generous to wide receivers too, but not to wide receiver ones. It kind of leans more towards Keenan Allen, correct? Yeah, I think it just kind of depends. Like we've seen some weeks, it seems like the teams, the, the opposing defense try to shut down Allen, some weeks Williams. And I think we just kind of bet on the guy who has the, the six, seven year track record of getting open at will, commanding targets at will. And that's Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is starting to look each week. It kind of looks more and more like either he has a knee injury that he hasn't recovered from and, or he's mostly the field stretcher. He was his first four seasons in the league. And that this big outside uh, X receiver, Mike Williams could very well be the guy that they shut down. And they say, you know what? We're just going to take away the deep game and we're going to run Dalvin cook down your throat, try and come back with, 50 Keenan Allen five-yard targets and see if that's successful. We're not giving you any deep shots in this one. Next one, again, another compelling storyline. Seahawks coming off their bye, going to Green Bay. Right now, Green Bay minus five and a half. The total is 49 and a half. Interesting here, Chris Carson has just been ruled out of this game. So it looks like it's going to be Alex Collins and a committee again. Russ Wilson is absolutely back and he is ready to go. No more Josh dancing and pretending to go through handoffs and, and games by himself there on the field as did a couple of weeks ago. Aaron Rodgers probably plays, but there is a chance he does not. And he hasn't practiced all week because of COVID. So there's a lot of uncertainty here. The line seems to show that they think Rodgers is going to play, but we've seen Cam Newton come back off of COVID and he was very shaky. No telling how it's going to go, but this is a fascinating game because you know you have Devontae Adams getting the majority of targets. You've seen the stat that he produces the same amount with and without Aaron Rodgers. So he's going to be a focal point, even if it's Jordan Love. And with Seattle, you have the consolidated target share, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Interesting, an opportunity here for great DFS production. Where do you go, my friend? So I think that we're going to have a lot of Seattle stacks this weekend because the Green Bay team, it's just a slower offense. It's really hard for Rodgers to truly get there and break the slate as a slow-paced, non-mobile quarterback. So Yes, Rodgers frequently puts up 20 to 24 fantasy points, and he can quote-unquote get there in DFS. However, rarely is he breaking the slate where you started Rodgers and, oh, there's just no chance these teams are catching up. Whereas with the Justin Herberts, the Lamar Jacksons, these are the guys that can get you 35 fantasy points. And next thing you, you know, you look up and you go, oh, my lineup has neither of these guys. I essentially have to hit the nuts on every single skill player or I'm not making money this week. So that's why I generally just fade Aaron Rodgers week after week. Last last year, it definitely did not work at times because he had the historic touchdown rate. This year with a normal Aaron Rodgers touchdown rate, it hasn't been working out for him. I think Devontae Adams, like you said, he's just always viable each week. It's, it's so hard to get off a guy that's going to be getting you 12 to 15 targets almost every single week. I do think Rodgers plays. If Rodgers doesn't play, it definitely is going to make me want to decrease my exposure to this overall game. We kind of saw how Jordan Love just wrecked that Packers Chiefs game last week. It was very low scoring. It was just so slow paced. There was no reason for the Chiefs to ever really push the pace themselves when they know that Jordan Love is just totally incompetent against what is uh, one of the two, three, four worst defenses in the NFL. I understand the Seahawks are a bad defense too, but if you couldn't do it against the Chiefs and now you get the Seahawks coming out of your bye, I just don't have a lot of faith in Jordan Love. But fortunately, most likely Rodgers. The way I'm attacking this one is probably with Russ skinny stacks, a lot of Russ Lockett, a lot of Russ Metcalf, both Metcalf and Russ. And Lockett are kind of priced as if Geno's the quarterback, which is one thing that I really like. Metcalf, 6,800 on DraftKings. Little priced up, 8,000 FanDuel. Lockett, 6,500 DraftKings, 7,100 FanDuel. Just good prices all around, but especially the Lockett prices, or especially the Lockett price on FanDuel, where he's only 7,100 for just a total boom bust, high touchdown type of receiver historically with Lockett. And I think the, the sneaky punt play tight end that I was alluding to earlier, it's going to be Gerald Everett. There's just so little going on in this Seahawks pass attack. 
outside of Metcalf and Lockett. So Everett, cheap too. Oh, Everett has about a 12% target share on the season, but remember he's new to this team. Maybe he's getting more acclimated as the season goes. We know he's really athletic. And when you're going to let Gerald Everett with Russell Wilson as the quarterback be 2,600 on DraftKings and 4,700 on FanDuel, you know I'm going to be playing some Gerald Everett as my punt tight end to make the salaries work. And then little contrast for everyone, the Metcalf locket dichotomy. Metcalf, season-long target share, 27.2%. Lockett, 28.2%. So a little bit more targets for Lockett. Average depth of target. Metcalf, we know he's a high ADOT guy, 11.3. Oh, Lockett, 10.8. Essentially the same amount of air yards on the season. Deep targets, 20 or more yards downfield. 10 of those went to Metcalf. 11 went to Lockett. The only real difference here is that Metcalf has eight red zone targets and Lockett has three red zone targets. Yet they both have nearly 100% snap shares. I don't think that's necessarily indicative that Lockett cannot be targeted in the red zone. And then there's eight touchdowns for Metcalf and three for Lockett. So Lockett could very well have a touchdown spike coming at some point at the expense of Metcalf. And then one other note, shout out to the Roto Underworld player profiler, Game Charters who measure something called target accuracy. They're essentially watching every single throw from every quarterback and grading it. And we scale that from a one to 10 where higher numbers is more accurate targets. And Metcalf has seen more accurate targets than Lockett on the season. And this is including that we're looking at the separation. We're looking where the target is and that these are just Russell Wilson has happened to have some better, and Geno Smith, they've happened to have some better throws to Metcalf than Lockett. So I think all the signs here are pointing towards the Lockett explosion coming at some point. The boom bust weeks are there. Lockett and Metcalf, people tend to gravitate more towards Metcalf. But listen, if we know anything about Lockett, Josh, he's streaky. And he's been in such a down streak, but the targets were there. Russ is back. They're coming off a bye. Incidentally, under Pete Carroll, Seattle, 5-2-1 5-2-1 and one on the road coming off a bye here since he started coaching the Seahawks. It Everything leans towards a close game, and everything leans towards them putting up points. Next one, Washington. Can they finally get it together? Did Ron Rivera come up with something over the break? Because here come the defending Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Total, another 50. You got a lot of 50s this week. Didn't have many last week. We do this week. 51 and a half. Tampa Bay favored by nine and a half on the road. Couple injuries, which are interesting. But the question is, what can Washington do? Can they get it going? When I looked at this game, the first game that came to mind was that Tampa Bay-Chicago game where Tampa Bay just spanked them 38 to three. This really feels like that type of game can come again because I understand there's there's no Gronk, there's no Antonio Brown, Godwin questionable. Fortunately, they have Tom Brady. They have a great O-line. They have Mike Evans. They have Leonard Fournette. Tyler Johnson's as capable a backup receiver as they come. Cameron Brait, OJ Howard, these are both capable tight ends. Brady has no shortage of weapons in this one. So I don't want people to think, oh no, Brady's losing everyone. This is just how stacked the Tampa Bay offense is. They're just going to be passing no matter what. And it actually fits in perfectly with shredding the Washington defense, who's okay against the run and then dreadful against the pass. On the Washington end, Taylor Hineke has mostly come back to life after a couple good games early on in the season. He's been really inefficient. He's been turnover prone. I really like the Buccaneers defense in this one. And I think a fun way to play this in DFS is a Brady double stack. Maybe a Washington run back if you want with McLaurin or Ricky Seals Jones. Doesn't look like Logan Thomas is going to come back for this one. And then you also throw in the Buccaneers defense just to make it really different. And you're essentially playing for that type of 38-3 blowout the type of game that we know that they can have against severely inferior teams. On the Washington end, not very interested in these Hineke stacks. I think the kind of that best value player has to be Ricky Seals-Jones just because he's still not really priced up. 3,700 DraftKings, 5,300 FanDuel. Gibson, I will take a couple shots on him. Maybe something changes. We know he can break one at any point. 
However, probably going to be under the field here on him. Buccaneers are a very strong run defense. McKissick has pretty much locked down that receiving role after Gibson had one or two good games early on in the receiving game. It seems like ever since the shin became an issue, they've just completely X'd out Gibson's receiving role. So I think if you want to be kind of sneaky, you can sneak a McKissick in there as the run back. However, his price just isn't great on DraftKings or FanDuel. It's in the it's in the fives on both platforms. So I think the, the real move here is just Brady double stacks and then maybe a Ricky Seals-Jones or a McLaurin. I love Ricky Seals-Jones because there is just no wide receiver two of consequence. The backfield, Gibson, I'm starting to worry, Josh. I was asked this on another podcast. What are your thoughts really quick on Gibson long-term? Because I, I am starting to worry about him. I don't know if he is a legit leading running back. And it would not surprise me because this is this injury is lingering. It really is hurting his value. Most people took him in the second round. Yeah, it's really tough. At least for this year, I think the dream is over. I don't believe there's any RB1 upside unless something happens to McKissick. And even then, it's not clear that he's necessarily vaulting into elite territory because they have Jarrett Patterson and they've just really been limiting Gibson's touches. So I think that this year, it's just kind of over. Gibson's mostly a a flex play at this point going forward. I think in dynasty Gibson's still okay, but at least for DFS, he's just not on my radar as a player that I'm really trying to be above the field on any of these weeks going forward. Next up Jacksonville, Indianapolis, the Jags shocking the world and killing survival pools everywhere with their win over Buffalo. (laughs) Now they face their divisional foe, the Colts who can't find, they keep finding ways to lose. They should have beat the Titans they should have beat Baltimore, but the game's 47 and a half. Another robust over-under total here. Minus 10 and a half. Colts are favored by double digits. Jacksonville Indy. Did Jacksonville turn a corner here with uh, with the Jaguars? Do they have some DFS value? I'm going to have to go ahead and say, no, they they don't have a whole lot of <laughs> DFS value. I was, I was uh, trumpeting Trevor Lawrence for many weeks, and I've decided that I'm going to, I'm going to stop blowing that trumpet. What I was excited about was that Trevor Lawrence was an elite quarterback prospect with mobility who had multiple games where Urban Meyer said, all right, chuck it. And he'd have 50 or more pass attempts. And I just thought, how can I ever fade a guy that's going at the low 6K range of draft or fan duel and then the mid 5K range on DraftKings? How can I fade this guy? He's mobile. He's throwing 50 times a game when they get down. And we just haven't seen it from Lawrence. The supporting cast just seems to get worse by the week. He's not really playing any better. The play calling's just not been great. And I just don't really know if that ceiling for Lawrence is there. So I'm done being way over the field on Lawrence. It's been losing me money all year, and I'm finally putting my foot down. So we'll not be aggressively targeting these inexpensive Jacksonville <laughs> stacks finally. I think the the real way to target this game is just onslaughting it with the Colts. If you remember back to week 17 last year, one Jonathan Taylor as a rookie went nuclear with 30 carries and over 250 rushing yards against the Jaguars. That could very well happen again. He's playing out of his mind. He's been the best running back both in real football and in fantasy the last few weeks. And he's priced up a little bit. And I think that's perfect. Not too many people are going to play him especially because we have, we'll get to him in a few minutes, but this Dearness Johnson free square is just beautiful because 8,100 DraftKings, 9,400 FanDuel Jonathan Taylor is not going to get played by that many people. And I know the salary's high. However, it's kind of tough to argue that any running back outside, maybe a McCaffrey has as high a ceiling for this week as Jonathan Taylor against the Jaguars. And for the people that are going to say, oh, I know he had that really good week 17 game against Jacksonville, but did you see week one of his rookie year? He did not have a great game on the ground. That was, let me just remember, was that week one of his rookie year, his first game ever? I've seen this thrown around on Twitter that he had one dud and one super good game for DFS. I'm not really looking at that week one game from last year. That was his first game. The game plan looked like it was going to be Marlon Mack as the starter before he tore his Achilles. This was not shaping up in any way to be a a great 
arena for success for a week one Jonathan Taylor. So I'm firing him up everywhere. Pittman looks like he's got a decent salary on both platforms. James Robinson is expected to play. T.Y. Hilton is returning. This is just really good news for Wentz. And Carson Wentz has had over 20 fantasy points in four of his last five games. Still under 6K on DraftKings. 7,500 on FanDuel, definitely less appealing there. But on DraftKings, I'm planning to be above the field with Wentz when he's only 5,900. You know, that Michael Pittman salary, man, I just keep staring at it. He is the no doubt wide receiver one in this offense. No matter what defense they're playing, and people always use this argument, which I know we hate, is that if it will be, he's really the only major option. So he's going to be the focus of the defense. He's also the focus of the quarterback in the offense. Josh, that Michael Pittman salary, 6.3 on DK, 7.2 on FanDuel, that's the chef's kiss. It really is. And I think a fun way to play this is to have a double stack where it's Wentz, Pittman, and then Jonathan Taylor. And I think it kind of works on DraftKings because Pittman's only 6,300. And you can sneak that in. We have one or two long runs by Jonathan Taylor. Maybe he catches a few passes. Pittman soaks up 25 to 30% of the targets. Wentz gets there because he's actually been pretty good. And I think that the the rise of social media has just crushed Wentz when it comes to public perception because seems like most games he has one, maybe two pretty bad looking plays. Yet the rest of the game, he actually plays a really good game. And I understand in real football terms, that might not be great when he has some embarrassing interceptions, but at least for fantasy, he's making a ton of plays. He's had some strong accuracy with a lot of these deep balls. The connection with Pittman at all levels of the field has been really good. And then if you want the run back and you're a little nervous, Robinson banged up, Chenault, I don't know. We're going to have to just wait for 2022. It's depressing. Probably not the answer with Jamal Agnew. Marvin Jones has just not really had much of a ceiling in almost every single game. It's okay. We still have cheap Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold's 60 or more receiving yards, three of the last four games. He's been their target leader in a couple of these games. 3,500 DraftKings, 5,100 FanDuel. Dan Arnold just an especially strong play on DraftKings because the Jaguars don't score any points. FanDuel, you generally need a touchdown to get there. Fortunately, on DraftKings, when you're 3,500, if he gets his, at this point, requisite six catches for 50 to 70 yards, he's getting there for you in your lineup. Detroit at Pittsburgh. The Lions at the Steelers. This These games have been a better's complete dream. Mike Tomlin, Josh, last seven spots in these situations as the favorite against the spread. I bring that up because if this is a close game and the Lions and Steelers are going back and forth, we have some fantastic options. We have DeAndre Swift with the Lions. We have TJ Hawkinson with the Lions. We have Najee Harris potentially with the Steelers. Deontay Johnson with the Steelers. Pat Fryermuth has erupted. So right now it's Pittsburgh favored by eight. The over-under is low. It's 42 and a half. But if this is a close game, there's going to be value. And Tomlin as an underdog, great. Tomlin as a favorite, bad, which means the Lions coming off their bye could really have some things up their sleeve. DFS, where do we go? So I think this is just a wonderful game to pretty much just avoid the quarterbacks and just target some of these little skinny correlations in our other game stacks. There's just very consolidated plays here in terms of who we think is going to get the touches on the Steelers end. Najee Harris going to gobble up so much work as he does every game. Deontay Johnson, can he get any more targets than he's been getting? I think so. I believe that he could. he's probably going to have 15 to 20 targets in this one. He's going to shred the Lions secondary. There's no Claypool. There's no Juju at this point. There's just, there's nobody there. You cannot convince me James Washington is going to carve out enough targets to hurt Deontay Johnson in any way. Deontay Johnson, I think he's going to have 35 to 40% of these targets in this game. Najee Harris probably going to have 15 to 20% of the targets and 20 carries. And then Pat Fryermuth, I also think he's in a decent spot. My one concern with him this week, though, Ebron, full practice participant, he's returning. It's very hard for these quote-unquote timeshare tight ends to get there in DFS. 
it's uh, if you want kind of a, a comparison where it's this 3,900 on DraftKings, Pat Fryermuth, who, who is that like? Reminds me a lot of Dallas Goddard earlier in the year where, yes, he's not really going to kill your lineup. However, if we're actually trying to win a tournament, it's really difficult to see that 20 fantasy point ceiling when he's splitting time with another tight end. So I think the, the big plays here are Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson on the Steelers. And then just keep it simple. Swift and Hawkinson on the Lions. Jamal Williams, he's out again. And one thing I like is nobody is projected to play Swift right now because it's depressing. He had eight fantasy points in week eight, and then he went on bye. I can't remember. My memory doesn't go back more than a week, maybe two weeks. I don't even know if he's good anymore. Oh, I saw the game logs. He had 22 and a half, 17 and a half, 28 and a half fantasy points the three games before that in weeks five through seven. And DeAndre Swift is first in running backs for targets, 20th in carries. So he's still getting a decent amount of carries. And when you put it all together, he's fourth in weighted opportunities, which is adjusting targets and carries based on the actual fantasy points that they give you. DeAndre Swift is in a smash spot. The salary dropped below 7K. Again, on DraftKings, 6,800. And then FanDuel, still really palatable, only 7,300. TJ Hawkinson, he's been just an absolute monster. He's averaging nine-plus targets the last few weeks now that he's healthy again. I really think the move here is you choose Swift and Hawkinson, or Swift or Hawkinson. You choose Najee Harris or Deontay, and you put one guy from each team together as a little correlation in another game stack. New Orleans, Tennessee. Another one of these fascinating games that has players who were uncertain of how they're going to produce. Look at New Orleans. Going to be Trevor Simeon. Taysom Hill's going to work in. No Alvin Kamara. He's out. Mark Ingram now stepping up. Tennessee. No Derrick Henry. Adrian Peterson's there, but he's going against maybe the best run defense in the NFL. A.J. Brown, of course. Julio Jones left practice this week. Just a lot of questions, Josh, here between two really good teams that have Super Bowl aspirations. Over under 44 points. Tennessee favored by three. So I really like A.J. Brown in this one. The Saints have a very strong defense, but they've given up a ton of fantasy points to wide receivers this year. Julio was limited on Thursday. It looked like he was fine. And then he didn't practice today because his final, or I guess what was his final route of practice on Thursday, he retweaked the hamstring. He just cannot stay healthy. He's highly questionable going into this matchup. And I think whether or not he plays, you just need to cram some AJ Brown into your lineups. I mean, what what are the Titans going to do? They have this three-way running back committee. They don't have a Derrick Henry anymore, but they do have the A.J. Brown. And I really think it's just going to be another one of those 10-plus target games for A.J. Brown against a secondary that's actually been surprisingly soft in allowing a lot of fantasy points to receivers. On the Saints' end, I think there's there's kind of one guy for the most part, and that's Mark Ingram. 4500 on DraftKings. It's a good price. I don't think it's a great price. Where I really like him is he's only 5,500 on FanDuel. And essentially, if Mark Ingram gets a touchdown, I think there's a good chance he gets a touchdown in this one. If Mark Ingram gets a touchdown, he's going to get there for you and be tournament viable. So I think he's a great way to pay down on FanDuel. And then I think the other guy that you can kind of consider would be Adam Troutman. Troutman's had the targets the last few weeks, hasn't quite had the production 3,000 on DraftKings, 4,700 on FanDuel. Troutman is viable in some lineups, especially kind of a, a desperation correlation. I like the sound of that. Playing some A.J. Brown and you go, I really want a Saint with A.J. Brown. There's Mark Ingram or there's going to be the far less played Adam Troutman. I had Cody on the road of his mailbag this week and he talked about Adam Troutman those routes, baby, they're going up. Last four weeks, 14, 22, 26, and last week, 35 routes against Atlanta. Adam Troutman is going to pop. We are believers here at Player Profiler, and we are staying with him. Cleveland, New England. Chubb out, but the Browns come in. No Odell Beckham. Baker seems free, ready to roll, coming off a big performance last week. 
Patriots at home need to stay in the playoff hunt. Starting to get things together with Mac Jones having typical rookie mistakes. 45-point total. Patriots only favored by one and a half. So this game, there's a lot of injuries at the running back position. Chubb, Felton, not playing. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, likely out. Both of them concussed. This means it's Dearness Johnson chalk week. Johnson is... Uh, they had him priced up for a couple weeks after his big game. They priced him back down. 4,700 DraftKings, 5,400 FanDuel. This is, I think, the the good chalk free square of the week. It doesn't really get any better than someone that's going to be used in all phases. The one start Johnson had this year, 69%. Nice snap share. That was week seven. 22 carries, six of them in the red zone. 11 routes, two targets, 168 total yards, 28 DraftKings fantasy points. Really, really difficult to get off of him, him here. It reminds me of that Madison game from a few weeks ago when we knew that Madison was going to get all the touches because we'd already seen it. Cook's out another week and you just had to play Madison. 40 to 50% of fantasy gamers played him and I think he put up 32, 33 fantasy points and he delivered. This kind of feels like what Dearness Johnson's about to do. I think he's really the, the one to target here. I think the the sneaky play here is you can play a little bit of Brandon Bolden potentially, especially on DraftKings when he's 4,400. If Harris and Stevenson are both out, Bolden could very well play the James White role and get a good amount of carries as well. I don't even know who else is on the roster aside from Bolden and the the 5'5", 180-pound J.J. Taylor. So it looks like Bolden could just kind of be in line for work just because he's healthy. Not super interested in any of the other players in this game. One thing to monitor, though, if you need a desperation, the absolute Hail Mary play, you want a $3,000 receiver on DraftKings. Anthony Schwartz ran just as many routes as the other starting receivers last week. He just didn't have the targets. He's had a, a decent target rate in some of his other games this year. And that's something to keep in mind that if you want a guy who was legitimately training for the Olympics as a sprinter at 3K, who's going to be getting 25 to 30 routes in this game. Yes, if you're if you're 150 maxing a tournament, throw Schwartz in one or two of those lineups and see what happens. Buffalo and the Jets. I assume you're going to tell me the Bills are going to bounce back, but they're going to the Jets. Game total 48. Michael Carter keeps catching passes. Elijah Moore, though, I think is somebody you may like. Buffalo favored by 13. AFC East intra-divisional game DFS. So you're going to want to have some Josh Allen stacks. It's it's going to happen for them. I mean, Josh Allen's actually been putting up some fairly serviceable yardage totals, often some fairly serviceable fantasy point totals, even though he's had a couple down games in a row now. So do not abandon Josh Allen. You never know when that big game is going to hit. It could very well hit in this one. The Jets are just so bad across the board. I really like these Josh Allen double stacks where you kind of just pick two. I think Diggs, Sanders, Beasley, you just choose two of those guys. Or in, in Dawson Knox, choose two of those guys. Dawson Knox, full practice participant. He will be playing. So pick two out of those four. Zach Moss might play. He was limited in practice. So he's probably going to clear the concussion protocol. But either way, not very interested in Singletary, whether or not Moss plays. And I think with Moss, probably just not the week to play him. I really think this is just stack Allen, see what happens. You can run it back with Michael Carter. And I think the one other guy that I'd recommend running it back with is Elijah Moore. Nobody, I repeat, nobody is going to play Elijah Moore. You sound like a donkey when you advocate for Elijah Moore because people go, oh, oh yeah, he he had a couple good games, but uh, Corey Davis is back. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know Corey Davis is back. These guys don't play the same role. Corey Davis has just not been a target hog at any point in his career. Elijah Moore was the talk of training camp, regardless of team. It didn't. I didn't hear more buzz for any player compared to Elijah Moore prior to his injury. He was getting open at will. He was making highlight plays. He's had three straight really solid performances. And I don't know why they're going to put that back in the bag. The secret's out. Elijah Moore is good. And nobody, I repeat, no one's playing him. 4,700 on DraftKings, 5,700 FanDuel. 
You can play him on either platform. Mike White at quarterback, so we know that there's at least some level of competence, as weird as that sounds with Mike White. I think the the way to do this is, no, I don't think Mike White is going to keep the magic going and have a ridiculous performance. The Bills have a very good defense. I think you double stack Josh Allen, and then Michael Carter or Elijah Moore should be your priority runbacks in this one. Carolina, Arizona. This is a very live underdog. Carolina coming in. Quarterback change this week. Christian McCaffrey played, looked decent last week, should be back to full strength. Rule has has been shouting from the rooftops that he's going to establish the run yet again. They have to stop the turnovers. P.J. Walker, quarterback, they signed Cam Newton. And a lot of question marks with the Cardinals here. An 8-1 Cardinals team with the best record in the league. Where do we go? So it doesn't look like Hopkins will play. I know he's a game-time decision, but three straight DNPs do not did not practice this week. And then on top of that, it's just, it's Carolina. This is not the strongest of opponents. There's really just not a lot of incentive for Hopkins to try and suit up at less than 100%. Rondale Moore also questionable, but he was limited in practice. I do expect him to play. And I think the the, the guy to target here Aside from, yes, you're probably going to want to play a little. That's a little gross. Probably going to play a little James Conner. Potential bell cow James Conner here in a good offense. Not very interested in Kyler, whether or not he suits up. It does seem like he's playing. But we've talked about it on the past couple shows. When hobbled Kyler Murray is just not the the key to success in TFS. So I think that the Cardinals player to target, aside from, oh yeah, you're going to play a little Conner, is Christian Kirk. This year, Christian Kirk. One top 12 finish, four top 24 receiver finishes, and then his next best game after that's wide receiver 43. He's very volatile. He's great for DFS. No one's going to be playing him. 5,500 DraftKings, 6,700 FanDuel. Definitely prefer him at DraftKings because of that price tag. And just with no ownership on either platform, you might as well just choose the one where he's the better price. So I really like Christian Kirk in this. And I think if you want a little skinny correlation, Christian McCaffrey. When was the last time that we saw what should be a fully healthy all systems go McCaffrey at 8,400 on DraftKings, 9,000 on FanDuel. He's not even the most expensive running back on FanDuel. Jonathan Taylor and Najee Harris more expensive than him on that platform. I'm going to be judged. Didn't we see him get to 11K? Wasn't he at 11K this year? He was at 11K at one point on FanDuel, if I remember correctly. I think he and Henry both kind of got there at some point. Uh, McCaffrey's had stints at 9,500 to 10,000 on DraftKings before. And I think PJ Walker's a pretty bad quarterback. Fortunately, so is Sam Darnold. McCaffrey was still able to get there. And I mean, 8,400. I just, I can't really remember the last time he was at this salary full systems go. It was probably his rookie season. So I really like kind of the, the McCaffrey, Christian Kirk, skinny stacks, but Overall, not a game I'm heavily invested in for DFS. And last one we got here, Eagles at Broncos. Game total is 45. It's okay. Broncos by two and a half. Jalen Hurts going out there. Vic Fangio with the great defensive game plan against the Cowboys. But what's he going to do here against an Eagle team that's going to need a win? And Hurts, again, if he ever gets off early and he gets a couple touchdowns early, could have a bonanza of a fantasy line with that fourth quarter production. So Eagles at Broncos, where do we go here for our last game? So with Denver, I really think this is just, I started to get a little excited about them last week because they were facing the Cowboys. And you know what? Even when they're piling up points, the Denver team is just, it's hard to stack. It's so spread out with the fantasy points because they have two running backs that get a really good amount of work with Javante and Melvin Gordon. It is Pretty much a 53-47 timeshare with Gordon just getting a touch more work, but Javante generally being a little more efficient. Sutton and Judy are just cannibalizing each other. Noah fans back in this one. Really hard to get excited about the Denver end. I think the 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 one piece of advice I'd give is just don't give up on Jalen Hurts. I know he had 20 plus fantasy points the first seven weeks, then 11, then 16 and a half, but... Detroit, that was a blowout. He didn't need to do anything. And then the Chargers last week, they're a really good defense for the for shutting down quarterbacks. And yet Hertz had 62 rush yards and he averaged nine and a half yards per pass attempt. I think this is a good game where 
Hertz is going to be one of the less popular mobile quarterbacks on the slate and decent price tags on both platforms. 6,500 DraftKings, 7,700 FanDuel. I think the Hertz, Devonta Smith or Hertz Goddard skinny stacks, kind of a nice way to do this. And I don't even think you need to run it back with anybody necessarily. You could have Judy or Sutton. I think it's okay though. Just Hertz skinny stack, no run back, and then correlate your lineup elsewhere. There you go, folks. Every game on the slate that we're looking at here for Sunday. Week 10, I guess, Josh, I'd say a lot of 50-point games, a lot of possibilities, ton of stacking opportunities. But if I could summarize Week 10 in DFS, where would you go here? What's the one message you think we should give? So I know it's been a long season. There's been some gross DFS weeks the last few weeks, but we have to all remember DFS is supposed to be fun. And I put out a video earlier today. This is Friday. I put out a video earlier and I said on underdog fantasy promo code underworld, take the Tyler Lockett under on 72 and a half receiving yards because the past four years, Lockett's been under that in 70% of games. So when it's sort of a 50-50 over under, just take the under on that. But DFS is supposed to be fun. And that means that Lockett has been over 72 and a half receiving yards in 30% of games essentially one and three. Generally, he's not scraping by with 74 receiving yards. When Lockett goes over this number, he's usually going nuts. And I really feel like it's going to be a nice big Tyler Lockett week. He gets Russ back. In week eight, prior to the bye, he had that massive game, 12 catches with Geno Smith at quarterback. DFS is fun. Playing player props, On underdog, take the under on that lock at receiving yards. We're trying to root for some shootouts and some big games in DFS. Make sure to be above the field on Tyler Lockett for week 10. Make sure to be above the field on Tyler Lockett for week 10. Yeah, we'll do that one. I feel more confident in that one. Like, there's no Claypool. Ebron's coming back, which is going to hurt Fryermuth. Najee Harris has been limited this week, and I'm like, man, Detroit cannot cover anyone. Deontay is just, the, the dude is phenomenal. Is Josh Herbert week, and all he did was deliver the overall QB2 performance Josh Larkey, follow him on Twitter. Wait, at- you said Josh Herbert week. Oh my God. Okay. All of a sudden I was like, I feel like I- <laughs> I'll cut it. I'll cut it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just redo that part. Yep. I'm going to have to go ahead and say, no, they, they don't have a whole lot of DFS value. DFS is fun.